Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 12 in the ACC. We have some definitive football games to preview. How are you doing? You ready to go? Good. Uh, yeah, I was looking at some of these lines, unfortunately. That, that is uh, that's not that's, something I would recommend. Yeah, yeah. that's all I want to say about that. I have some opinions about some of these and i'm not sure i feel very good about some of the things i'm about to say on this podcast this evening so yeah we're, we're not that big on this podcast historically on like naming these weekends but if if we just wanted to consider this something like i don't know spooky line saturday that feels warranted for what i'm seeing right now with a couple of these for for this weekend there there is some stuff going on in Vegas that I don't fully understand. And I'm having to try to prepare to just steer right into it. Well, if we're going to steer into them, then we're going to agree on several of these. So (laughs) (laughs) that'll be fun. Boiler alert. Yeah. Um, Before we get into these games, Mike, there is one piece of news that kind of shook the college football world a little bit on Sunday that I feel like we need to talk about because I do think it concerns the ACC at least slightly. Uh, It came out Sunday morning, just hours after we were done with our Week 11 recap show, that Texas A&M was going to be firing Jimbo Fisher, uh, which was stunning to me based on, you know, the $75 million-ish buyout that they were committing to. Um, I think that was officially announced either Sunday afternoon or even Monday morning uh, by the school. But, like, that's what what we're doing right now is Jimbo Fisher going to be out in Texas A&M. And, Mike, as – as naturally we're going to do in college football after a coach is fired is the first thing you start doing is questioning, well, who's going to be next. And, and the reason that I think it's important that we kind of bring this up on this show is that the first person that everybody seems to be pointing to here is Jimbo Fisher's former defensive coordinator at Texas A&M current Duke head coach, Mike Elko. Mike, when you hear Mike Elko as a candidate for this job, does Mike Elko make sense for Texas A&M in your mind? Is that a real legitimate shot, you know, a a chance that he is going to leave Duke and go take over head coaching for the Aggies? Yes. Yes, does. Uh, He is a guy who is familiar with the school. Mm -hmm. He knows how to recruit the area. Uh, he knows how to get the most out of the talent that he has at like like at Duke, for example. Uh, he is a culture guy. His players, at least at Duke, from what we can tell, love playing for him. No reason to think otherwise in terms of how he's been as a defensive coordinator. It seems like guys love playing for him. He would make a lot of sense. Is he splashy enough for Texas A&M? That is the question. Mm-hmm. I am not convinced that AM is going to hire the right guy for the job or if they're just going to go splashy name again because they have a bunch of money. Yeah. Because if you think back, to, and I've seen this float around a lot, if you think back to two years ago, it was kind of the splashy, it was the splashy hires that kind of ruled the day in terms of the openings. It was Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to USC, Brian Kelly from LSU to Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, other way around, Notre Dame to LSU. Uh, it was Mario, Mario Cristobal. Cristobal going from Oregon to Miami. It was the big names jumping ship and and taking on a program 
in two separate cases where they really had no affiliation with, right? Lincoln Riley, no affiliation to USC. Mm -hmm. Brian Kelly going to LSU out of nowhere. Chris Saval, of course, is a Miami alum. So that was a little bit different situation. But jumping from big job to big job, I don't know that A&M is going to come out here with all this money and go for this swing for the fences higher and have it be Mike Elko that they settle on. I think Mike Elko would be a great hire. Mm-hmm. I think he makes a lot of sense. I just laid out those reasons. I think Jeff Trailer at UTSA would be a great hire for all the reasons I mentioned about Elko. He's a culture guy. He he knows Texas arguably better than any of the coaches in Texas. Like mm-hmm. he would really recruit well there. He's never had a job where he's you know been able to recruit in the way he would be able to recruit at A and M and all the resources he has available to him. I think he would he would kill it there. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to hire the right guy. I think they're they're going to hire a splashy name. Which brings me to our next point, Joey. You you floated a splashy name to Scott and I over text message. Yes, I did, and it does concern the ACC. Before I get to that, I will um, I, I will say I I kind of agree with you. Is that if I'm Mike Elko and Texas A and M approaches me and gives me a job offer? I think I'm interested. I mean, first of all, you know, dollars and cents wise, I mean, Texas A&M is going to pay you about as well, if not better than any other job in the country. Like you will get rich off of that job. Mm-hmm. And if, if Texas A&M showed up at my doorstep today and said, Hey, can you come coach the team? Of course I can. Like, you know, I will be generationally wealthy when I get fired from here in three years, you know, like whatever, like I, of course I would. Um, but I do think that there is from what we've heard about, Mike Elko so far. I mean, the guy is a, he's a graduate from uh, UPenn, uh, Penn, Pennsylvania, whatever. Um, very, very good school. He, Go he, Quakers. Harp, I'm sorry? Go Quakers. Go Quakers. Yeah, Quakers. Penn Quakers. That's right. That's right. From Penn. Um, very, very sharp guy. Um, and it, I get some, some of the things that we've heard from, uh, from beat writers and such on Mike Elko. He, it sounds like there's a little bit of that Dave Clawson sense to him of he doesn't want to just coach anywhere. He wants to coach somewhere that he kind of identifies a little bit with some of the the population of the school and some of the athletes that he'd be recruiting there. So I don't know that he would immediately just jump at the idea of going to A&M, not to mention having been there, he's probably seen that sausage factory from the inside a little bit. And there's something to be said that A&M has – all the resources and all the setup and everything you could ever want to be successful there and hasn't won a national title since world war two. Is that right? Like, you know, has, has really struggled to even make it to the top, much less, you know, get over and, and and fully win something there. Um, So it seems like something's there that makes that not, not the most ideal job. There's something that's missing there. And so all I'm saying is basically if, there, I, I do think there's a chance that Mike Elko leaves Duke sooner than later, but I I suspect he's going to be very picky about where he goes, and if so, he might leave some money on the table to go somewhere other than Texas A&M is basically what I'm thinking. Is that reasonable? The, yeah, I mean, that's reasonable to me. Uh, I, I think that the other point of if they're able to land an elite coach, which we don't know that Mike Elko is an elite coach. It's too early mm-hmm. to tell he's in his second year as a head coach. If an elite coach were to ever find its way to college station, 
maybe we're having a different conversation about this program in five years. Georgia yeah. couldn't win anything before Kirby Smart got there. They couldn't win anything. They hadn't won mm-hmm. in a very long time. Kirby gets there, and now it's a machine. And it yeah. will be until he, he retires or goes somewhere else. Uh, Which I would love if that was you know tomorrow or the yeah. next day or <laughs> very soon. As yeah. soon as possible. I hope yeah. the NFL comes calling for Kirby. Anything. Yeah. Anything at all. Point being, like an elite coach is going to be an elite coach anywhere where there's resources. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's that's a very fair, that's a statement that's been made. I think it's a very fair argument. We don't know if Elko's that because he hasn't had the opportunity to be in an elite program yet. No offense right. to Duke, right? But he's mm-hmm. been very good. At, he has been very good at Duke. So yeah. we'll see what that is, right? But I think everything you mentioned is very fair about the AM job because there has been something elusive about it in terms of coaches going there and not being able to win as big as the boosters would like. Yep. Yep. And, and I mean, again, to your point, I have questions also about like, would, would AM pursue Mike Elko? Do I think they should? Maybe. Do I think they would? Different question. I and, think he would be more of like, uh, it sounds ridiculous to say because of how good of a coach I think he is, but I do feel like he's like a fallback option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, okay, if we don't hit on these three gigantic names, let's see if Elko's interested. Yeah. Because that can be our like safety school, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and I think back to when he was hired at Texas A&M and the idea was they're, they're going to make a splash hire. Mm-hmm. And this is a program that just spent, probably collectively, you know, over a hundred million dollars that'll, you know, eventually it'll come to roost, but certainly over the next two, three years, that's a 50 plus million dollar move to get rid of a guy. Does it, is it going to satisfy all the players at hand to go get a guy who's in his second year of head coaching? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, I, I feel like they're going to shoot for something higher than that. And again, with the money you can get, most anybody you want who is a sitting head coach anywhere, including which brings me to my next point, Mike, that there is a name that I, I have seen floated once or twice, but I did not see it floated before I texted you. I was going to say morning. you were the first one. You were the first one to say this. And I, I'm giving you credit. If this happens, this is all credit goes to you. Yeah. In our text with, you know, between you, Mike and, and producer Scott and myself, I, I floated this name Monday morning. I felt like I had cracked the code. I think I was on the way back from, from daycare and I could not text it to you guys fast enough that I had come up with this, but there is another name in the ACC that is a sitting head coach that I think there is a non-zero chance. I think it's, it's not the craziest name that I have heard associated with this job. And I think there is a non-zero chance that they could go this route. Mike, would it really be so crazy, so unthinkable for Texas A&M to hire Dabo Swinney to be their next head coach? Volusia's orange in the comments. Right on time. I was mid-sentence as he he sent that, yeah. Would that be so crazy? But I'm always on time. Yes, uh, it would would be a little crazy. Now, I will say... this would be this would be Jimbo. Would this be Jimbo part two? I mean, maybe is in, a, Dabo, in a very different way. But yeah, probably is Dabo is Dabo on the on the backside of his career. This I is mean, like a age da- wise. Not really. No, no, He's not not, a, not age wise. No, 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 not age wise. 
has he lost his fastball like Jimbo did? I mean, I've asked questions for years of what was Dabo's fastball. That's ridiculous. Yeah, see, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But I, what I do, I, I just disagree with you on that. But what I, I will say is that I think that the Dabo and the Jimbo comparisons in terms of kind of what they were versus what they are when they're getting hired by AM, I think those are fair questions, right? Clearly, Clemson is not the team that they were three or four years ago, right? Clearly, right. they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not a national championship caliber program right now. Clemson fans are going to disagree with me. They're going to say, we've always been a champ- cal- uh, championship caliber program. We will as soon as we do X, Y, Z. Sure, you will. A&M is, a- we can make that argument for A&M. Sure, they're, they're a national championship program as soon as they do X, Y, and Z. Nobody is recruiting. Very few schools are recruiting better than Texas A&M right now. Right? They have all the resources. Mm-hmm. They have all the fan support. What is missing? They're missing an elite head coach. Mm-hmm. I think that Dabo has done a little bit of self-sabotage where he won't get the best players he possibly can for reasons that reside around culture, which I think is very silly. Uh, I agree with Volusia's orange comment. Clemson right now is in far, far better shape than FSU was than Jimbo left. That's a fair question. That's a fair statement. But then that brings me to my next question. Why isn't Dabo getting as much out of it? right? Like, why isn't he getting as much out of it as he used to? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think the Dabo hire, it would be interesting because I think he would need, like, one of the qualifiers, I think, if I'm an an A&M booster and you're taking all of my money, one of the qualifiers for me would be, are you going to use every tool at your disposal if you take this job? Are you going to use the transfer portal? Are you going to use this gigantic NIL operation we have? What is, is Dabo your... going to use the transfer portal starting in six weeks at Clemson? Fair question. Is we, he going we to think so? If so he is there any reason to think he wouldn't if he went to College Station? If he doesn't like the roster at AM, will he use the transfer portal right away to overhaul the roster? Now, there's a lot of talent on that AM roster, but if he wants you know, some players here and there, is he going to go in there and is he going to turn things over as quickly as A&M boosters would like? Mm-hmm. Those are all fair questions. Dabo was asked by Chapel Fowler, beat writer for Clemson. He was asked about the A&M job opening. I want to compare and contrast two quotes here, Joey, if you don't mind. Are you going to Dan Landing with the other I, one? I, I absolutely am. <laughs> Let's start with a Dabo Swinney quote. Dabo, are you interested in the Texas A&M job? I'm paraphrasing. I'm just focused on this job. Always have been. Just trying to beat North Carolina. It must be November. That's all I can say. (laughs) Joey. Not a no. That's not a no. Not a no. I'm, I'm not saying he's interested. But I'm also not not saying it. Which, side point, what's the point in telling the truth when you're asked that kind of question? Just say no and move on. Just say now. Yeah. Anyways. Versus Dan Lanning, who just flat out says, I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I'm going anywhere else. I have everything I need here at Oregon to succeed. And they basically, I'm paraphrasing again, but he says basically something along the lines of, if people are unable to see that this Oregon job is elite, then they don't understand what it's like to be here and be in the position I'm in. Lanning's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And 
He says, I got all the, I got all the money in the world. I don't, you know, I don't need a contract extension. I, you know, these coaches are concerned with stuff I'm not concerned with. I'm well taken care of at Oregon. Doesn't seem like a guy that's going to leave Oregon to me. So I mean, again, all what, coaches. What are the odds that Dan Landing's answer is every bit as honest as Dabo's answer was? Like, they could just be two different versions of lying. They could be two different versions of telling the truth. I don't know. And I and I think so. So Volusia's Orange again, zero percent chance this happens. Says put down the hopium. And I, I want to make something very clear. I'm not hoping for anything. Like, there's no skin off my back if Dabo stays at Clemson for another 10 years, wins two more national titles. That's great. Good for the ACC, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I found myself there thinking of this from a college football just overall perspective and thinking six years ago, whatever it was, Texas A&M hired a guy who had a national title ring to come in and they paid him just, you know, more money than was ever fathomable. And they turn around and then they fire him because he's just not going to get him over the top. And so the first place my mind goes is like, okay, you're going to fire him for who? Like who replaces a guy that has a national title ring, who was the heir apparent to Bobby Bowden, who, you know, like this, how do you trump hiring Jimbo Fisher with what he was in 2017? And that's one of the first places my mind goes, okay, who else has a national title ring or something significant? Oh, it's Dabo. Oh, who else has been, you know, kind of pissy with the fans and the media lately? Oh, it's Dabo. Who's got a preacher man vibe that would really play really, really well in College Station with the weird Aggie cult thing going on there? Oh, it's Dabo. Who's got the mo- enough money to beat out what Clemson's able to offer Dabo? Oh, it's Texas A&M. Like, I- I'm not hoping for anything. I am connecting dots prematurely. And in two months, when they hire Mike Elko or Dan Lanning or whoever the hell else, I don't care, but if, if, if they hire Dabo, I'm just saying you heard it here first. That's all I'm saying. I, I called my shot here in mid-November, and that's all That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm the saying. Fu- I mean, I will say the funniest outcome is hiring Dabo. That is that would be hilarious by far. Now I've seen I've seen some other names floated, right? Like I've seen Cliff Kings, because like, Pete Thamel is totally dishonest. He just talks to agents, and then <laughs> the agents are like, "Oh, um, make sure to get my client on your list so that I can get him a job somewhere." So he puts like Cliff yeah. Kingsbury on there, like A and M will ask, be hiring. Ask Urban what he wants to put out there. Like <laughs> if I if I'm an A and M, nothing against Cliff Kingsbury. I'm sure he's a fine guy. If I'm a if I'm an A and M booster over my dead body, are you hiring Cliff Kingsbury to replace? <laughs> Jimbo Fisher. Fantastic. Yeah. You got a better offense. You got a way worse defense. Like, what mm-hmm. are we what are we doing here? Like Cliff Kingsbury isn't out scheming anybody in the SEC. Like, what are what are we doing here? That would be very funny. The second funniest thing would be hiring Mike uh Mike Norvell from Florida State because of the whole Florida State thing. Hiring yeah. like another Florida State coach. Now, granted, just keep keep the conveyor belt running here. And granted, it's just coincidence because Norvell, I think, would be a good hire because it's Norvell. I think he's good. I think he's a good, very good coach. I think it's now bad. proven he can win everywhere. You, you know, can make worse hires. You can absolutely make worse hires. That would be very funny. But by far, the funniest outcome is Dabo Swinney. Funniest outcome. Because, number one, I think it could work. <laughs> right? Like, I really think it could work. Because I think mm-hmm. he would kind of change a few things and he'd have the opportunity to do so. I think it could work. Number two, what the hell would Clemson do? What would they do? I have no Dabo, idea. Dabo is Clemson. Mm-hmm. He is Clemson. He turned it into a national championship program. He's it. If he leaves, what do you got? Yeah. I don't know. 
That, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's definitely a crazy thing to think about. I mean, he was the interim after they fired Tommy Bowden 15 ish years ago. I mean, when's the last time Clemson went to open market for a coaching search? Like, there's no precedent here. You have no idea. There's multiple ADs ago. You don't know what they're going to do. So it's, yeah, I don't know. But it, it would be hilarious. But I think we've, we've probably, uh, probably banged this drum enough. It's just a fun thing to entertain as a, it'll be very. It'd be very funny. But the other option is to talk about Florida State, North Alabama. So we decided to talk about this instead. Yeah, we can get to that. Mike, we got eight games. We got a preview for now that we're 20 minutes into this. We got eight games. We got a preview <laughs> saw, for a week. Just saw low. the chat. Yeah, just saw yeah. private chat. There we go. There we go. Uh, we start on Thursday night. Uh, we have a one one weeknight game and seven on Saturday. So we'll start Thursday night, seven o'clock on ESPN. The Boston College Eagles on the road in Pittsburgh taking on the Panthers at the uh, big old ketchup bottle or insurance building or whatever it is these days. Um, Mike, we, uh, so Pittsburgh is is two and eight, garbage, and, uh, and Boston College is six and four, and Pittsburgh is a also three point garbage. favorite here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. once again, going back to Spooky Line Saturday. What the hell is a two and eight team doing as a favorite over a bowl eligible team this this time of the year? Um, it, d- are we suggesting that? I'm just going to let you run with that. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to incite the Boston College fan base any further than we already have in the last few weeks. I was going to say I had the pleasure of watching Boston College last weekend. It, uh, Joey, bang, 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 you dead. <laughs> That that sound is gonna get some run. <laughs> that sounds really gonna get some run. It is. Uh, there's been there was no greater joy. There has been. Well, I I'm married and have a kid, so let me be let me tread lightly here. But there's been no greater joy in my life than watching Boston College play football last Saturday against my Virginia Tech Hokies. God, they're awful. They're so bad. I mean, we talk about Pittsburgh being bad, and. I had the pleasure of watching Pittsburgh earlier this year too. suffer the same fate as Boston College did against my Hokies. They're terrible too, but man, Boston College, you go up to, you go up to their place in Chestnut Hill and you just beat the brakes off them. I mean, not even, it was competitive for six minutes and then they died a very quick death. This is a really bad football team. Now, I don't think that when I see Pittsburgh and I see our two and eight record, you and I were texting about this earlier today. I think Pittsburgh has quit, don't you? Yeah, I mean, mostly. And would I mean, would that stun you if they had, especially with not only no. the way the season's gone, but also like some of the some of the comments we've heard from Narduzzi and just this is just not even close to what you would have expected as a Pittsburgh player this year, right? Like this is a mess. Oh, you mean like Narduzzi talking about how his roster's not any good? <laughs> I mean, that would make me want to not play for him either. Say, if I'm on said roster, uh, that that would be less than encouraging. Yeah. Your starting quarterback was working out a tight end, and then when you were asked about it, you said, I don't remember him running routes in practice. Oh, yeah. Okay, dude. Uh, By the way, the perfect, perfect irony was then last week being beaten by a quarterback, turned tight end, turned back to a quarterback, running the ball and (laughs) throwing... Oh, you mean Dan Valari? Dan Valari, former oh, Syracuse. I, I want to say former Notre Dame quarterback, turned tight end, turned back into a quarterback for last week, which we missed on somehow. But don't press in. Don't press in. 
uh, yeah. So I, I, my point is, like, I look at Boston College, I look at their six and four record, I look at Pitt at two and eight, and a team that looks like they've quit. And I don't really think there is as much separating these two teams as the records would indicate, which is why I do think Pittsburgh's a three point favorite here at home. I don't think that Boston College is far and away a better team here. I also don't think Pittsburgh is necessarily as bad as their record. Like, I think Pittsburgh could probably be like four and six. They've lost a couple close ones. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, (laughs) the line makes me really want to pick Pittsburgh. Really want to pick Pittsburgh. Just a full steer into it. Just a full steer into it. Pittsburgh's front seven hasn't been as intimidating as it's been in recent years, but it hasn't been outright terrible either. And this Boston College offensive line, like by letter of the law, when you look at their stats, sure, they block okay and protect Castellanos okay, but they're really banged up in the running back room. They haven't been running the ball great. Can Pittsburgh contain Castellanos' legs in the rushing attack for four quarters? think if they do they have you know a really really good shot here at winning this football game because Pitt's offense like they've scored here and there like they haven't been spectacular do they have to be to win this game I'm not sure they do low score ugly it up I'm gonna just full-on steer into Pitt minus three here and take the Panthers to win this game low scoring totals 45 and a half mm-hmm. which to be honest with you I'm surprised it's that high uh, so I'm just going to steer into it. I'm, I'm going to say pit minus three going to take the under as well as a pick here. Uh, and we'll see what happens on Thursday night. I think you're smart for Thank that. You. I, Honestly, I, I appreciate that. Like Vegas is telling us something with this number. Um, and with the way that, again, you, you've got a four win difference through 10 games. And the team that has four fewer wins is favored. And that should tell us something. I'm going to, I, if I get it wrong, I'm fine with that. I'm going to take the points with Boston college. And the only reason is like, we're saying kind of the quit factor with Pittsburgh and the, the idea that I, I cannot bring myself to lay points with Pittsburgh at this point in the season with what we've seen. This team has struggled so much. I, Maybe they put it together. Maybe this is a win one for the Gipper Super Bowl, like last chance to get a win this year kind of game for the Panthers. Would not shock me at all if they win this game. But and and as much as Boston College seems beat up, especially at the offensive skill positions, how healthy is Thomas Castellanos? Not to, not totally sure. Pat Garbo's done for the year. Uh, Kai Robichaux is he back this week? We don't know. Um, if he is, I that feels like that might be a a difference maker here um, is Kai Robichaux being back in the lineup. We don't know if he's going to be back. I'm just going to take Boston college and the points. I, I would not recommend betting this you know, it, it, with a gun to your head or anything. And, and even like in my pick em league, I'm going to avoid this game. I want no part of this. I don't know what's going to happen. The line spooks me in a big way. Honestly, if it was Boston College minus three, I'd still probably be on the Eagles. Um, just that would I would feel better about that. But this line being what it is, like I, I don't like it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid dealing with this if I have to. I do want to watch it. I'm curious to see what happens here. 
Um, and I agree with you, Mike. 45 and a half seems like a lot of points for the way that these two offenses, especially Pitts, has gone this year. So, yeah, give me the under 45 and a half. And this is a, a you know, as I've been doing this year, this not is a Thursday candidate night. to lock not up Thursday night. the under. Well, yeah, I guess there's, yeah, eh, well. we've been screwed. I'm just saying <laughs> you and I collectively, let's be, let's be smart about this. Make our picks wisely. We have been screwed on weeknight games this year. That's true. You, That's true. when you and I pick weeknight games, it does not turn out very well. Just like, you know, it has not. Okay. It has not. Just, just if you want to pick it, pick it. I'm just saying we just got to be careful here. Pick our spots. No, no, yeah, no. You're my you're my Sherpa here, Mike. So I yeah. appreciate the uh, appreciate the self control that you're helping me exert. It's like you're, so it's I like will you're, not lock. It's it's like we're playing with Saudi Arabia's money here. All right, we, we don't want to. <laughs> we we got to pick our spots. We we got to make the right plays for very strategic reasons. Okay. I was say where is he going with this? I, uh, I just just act like you're playing with bad man's money. <laughs> Fair that's enough. How we, okay. That's how we pick winners on this podcast. That's true. That's true. Boston College and the points for me, which at you know plus three, I guess just say outright, uh, Boston College wins a game for me. Pitt minus the three for Mike, and both of us have the under. We uh, we agree that it would be irresponsible to lock anything up here and uh, should probably just avoid this game altogether from a pick standpoint. But, you know, curious to watch it and see what happens. <laughs> so there's that. As Scott pointed out, we were collectively five and 14 last week. So, uh, we were playing like, I mean, if we were playing with Saudi's money, we wouldn't be recording tonight. Let's put it that way. We would be elsewhere. We um, would in a better place. You know, the real strategy here, Mike, is that each of us picks the opposite side of each game, and uh, then we're just 500 as a podcast. That would be That's, fun. That would be fun, but you and I agree on a lot of stuff, unfortunately. On the Saturday at noon on the ABC, uh, noon on the ABC, the ABC, Mike, uh, that, that is America's network, I think. Um, whatever the number 10 Louisville Cardinals on the road in South beach or Miami gardens or wherever that oh, is. God taking on the Miami hurricanes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices. Plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points, more savings and more inspiring flavors. Make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, what is what is this line, Mike? Once again, Louisville is ranked number ten in the country. They are a top ten team. They have they are nine and one, and they are taking on a Miami team that I believe is six and four and is two and four in their last six games. And Mike, Miami is favored in this game, somewhere between a half a point and a point at this. Sure. Point. Can someone? What is happening this week with these games? Um, it started at Louisville. Uh, plus three. It's two. Oh, two? they couldn't. They weren't even catching a field goal. I uh, just My. information courtesy of ESPN Bet now integrated into ESPN, where I get the lines from. 
Okay, so we, we were talking about we, we were talking about this ball. before we were talking about this before we went live, trying to like reason our way through how this makes sense. And by the way, SP Plus uh, also has uh, Louisville by like a shade, like it's uh, Louisville by yeah, like a half a point basically. And and that that does include the home field advantage factor. It's in South Beach again, no, but. We're trying to reason our way through this. And the, the best that I can come up with is that Miami looked like a buzzsaw team through their first four games. I mean, three blowout wins. They looked, they just cruised, plus a two score win where it probably wasn't even quite that close against Texas AM. Like, Miami looked so good through that first four weeks of the season. And I think that's being weighted roughly equally to them now losing to Georgia Tech, losing uh, to North Carolina, losing in the way that they have to Florida State, and not looking good in wins against Clemson and Virginia. Like, I I think that's what it is, is that you're still getting kind of buoyed by some of those early season performances. We mentioned that Miami in SP Plus is still 26th, including the 42nd ranked offense. Mike, is this definitively like a – top half offense in the country, much less like top quarter almost. I don't think so. Well, no. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke is a turnover machine. No, no. When he's Emory not Williams turning, is not playing here. He's not playing. Uh, he broke like it looked like he broke every bone in his arm on that scramble play last week. He's the elbow done. down to the fingertips, basically. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not going to play anymore this year, I don't think. Uh, Miami here, like offensively, they were okay when Van Dyke wasn't turning the ball over. They were moving the ball. They have a really good offensive line. They run the ball well. Mm -hmm. Their passing game has been okay when Van Dyke doesn't turn the ball over. So if you had told me six or seven weeks ago that Miami was the top 30 offense in the country, I could get behind it. If we're talking about now with what we know about Miami's issues taking care of the football, not so much, right? It's gotten to them into a lot of trouble over the past month as the schedule's gotten a little bit tougher, playing better defenses, uh, except for Carolina. I mean, they didn't really play a better defense there. They just got, they got got there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do here, if I'm being quite honest, right? Like, I think... I think number 10 Louisville is the better team. I also just watched Louisville get into a hell game with two win UVA last week. Yep. So is Louisville really the 10th best team in the country? Not no? objectively. No, <laughs> like if we're being honest with ourselves, no would be the, the appropriate answer. They've been a proponent of their schedule, but at the same time, have they been better than I expected coming into the year relative to their schedule? I would say yes. Probably a little I, bit, yeah. I thought that their record would be entirely a proponent of the schedule they've played. Mm -hmm. And while I do think it is a contributing factor to why they're 9-1, and one, I don't think it's the only factor. They've been better than I anticipated. They've they've run the ball better. Their defense is really good, maybe even better than I anticipated. They've overall played better against that soft schedule. Mm -hmm. I think Miami matches them talent-wise. I think Miami has a skill position players on defense to really force Louisville into a situation where Jack Plummer is going to have to make some throws. And if you start to think about it 
from that angle where, you know, how many teams has Louisville played this year where Plummer has had to make the throws? Absolutely gotten in a spot where he's had to make the throws. Not, Not many. many games. Not many games. That's the schedule part, right? Mm-hmm. That's the schedule part. This is the first team, I think, where I look at, and I'm like, if I'm Miami's defense and I have the team speed to match Louisville's team speed on offense, can I get after the quarterback a little bit here? I think if they do, if they're able to slow down the run, big if, but if they can slow down the run with Garendo and Jawar Jordan, if they can do that and they can pin their ears back and get after Jack Plummer, I can reason my way into a Miami win here. Mm-hmm. I really can. Because I do think the offense is so variable in terms of does Tyler Van Dyke take care of the football? Because when he does, Miami does move the ball well. Good offensive line, run the ball. They have the skill position players at wide receiver. You have to bank on Van Dyke not making a million mistakes. This really is a coin flip game. It's a coin flip game. Yeah, I'm, sca- I'm steering into the line here, too. I'm taking Miami. I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm taking Miami. They've been the more inconsistent team this year, but I think they get it done. I think what it is going to boil down to is Tyler Van Dyke making the plays and Jack Plummer maybe having the interception turnover issues, which hasn't been the case this year. It's kind of been flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. I think Van Dyke has the better game here. I think Jack Plummer struggles a little bit more. I think Miami forces him into passing situations. And I think the Hurricanes come out with a win. Give me Miami. Total lean under, but probably pass. Um, I'll start out by saying I'm, I'm going over the total. Sure. I'm going over the total and some of, and honestly, I do think the defenses are probably better than the offenses in this game. But the reason I'm going to go over the total is because of that. And because of the turnover worthy nature of both of these quarterbacks, I think there's going to be a couple short fields here or there. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a couple of cheap scores some cheap points that are created so off the top, just give me the over here. Um, I'll say this too, from a from a matchup standpoint, I do. Um, I, I think I trust Louisville's defense here um, again with with the way that Miami's offense is played, which has been kind of inconsistent at best, and not to mention again the whole Tyler Van Dyke turnover worthy uh, or turnover fest that happens from time to time. Like, do I think they can bait him into something like that? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I will say that. And I think that favors Louisville. Mike, the other thing that I think favors Louisville that I don't think that we can discount here. We do remember what Miami just did four days ago, right? They lost to Florida state. Are we, uh, you know, Regardless of what the analytics and the numbers and all the football reasons say, are we uh, are we banking on Miami coming off the Florida State loss against a top ten team? The top the top ten thing, honestly, is probably the the most uh, the, the biggest detractor to this <laughs> this uh, the uh, oh what's the, uh, the principle that I'm, theory I'm, yeah yeah like it's more principle know, than theory because we've seen Miami just whittle away. Yeah. slowly or or quickly after yeah. Florida State losses. Yep. Mike, I'm doing the same thing that I'm doing Thursday night. If I'm a sucker, I'm a sucker. And if I if I lose, I lose. It's fine, but 
there is so little about this that makes me want to take Miami that I have to ride with Louisville. The only reason I would take Miami is because the line stinks, honestly. Um, when I look at what these teams have been for a month and a half, and I think of what Miami's coming off of and the way that they match up and such, I just I, I think I have to take Louisville here. And I realize it's a dangerous spot for them. Uh, this is an ACC championship game clincher, by the way, that Louisville needs this to get to Charlotte. Otherwise, they need a little bit of help elsewhere. And you'd really rather do this on your own terms, finish 7-1 and one in the conference and lock up your spot in Charlotte. So we'll see if they can do that. We'll see if Miami can get up off the mat after last week and uh, you know put a good showing together. But more often than not, they haven't in recent memory. So I'll take Louisville, but nothing would surprise me here, honestly. Either team could win this game by double digits, and it would not surprise me. A Miami victory and a Virginia Tech win keeps Virginia Tech's chances of a ACC championship berth alive. Yep. And that's sure. why I'm going to start making memes of uh, you know someone sneaking up on them, and it's going to be Anthony Calandria's name coming up from the background that'll be coming good. for the Hokies bowl chances or, uh, or conference championship chances that'd be good can you imagine uh can you imagine Virginia Tech going to the final weekend of the se- of the season six and five with a chance to go to the ACC title game hysterical things that, that would be, be ACC as hell yeah that's some coastal ass energy yeah all that goes out the window if Louisville has uh, got more on the scoreboard come about four o'clock on Saturday mm-hmm. than, uh, than Miami does so that's we right. will uh We'll see. Who knows? Yep. Mike, uh, let's move on to three o'clock on the CW, which, by the way, the first leg of a CW doubleheader here this weekend, because <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Good old fashioned CW doubleheader, a tradition unlike any other. In looking the forward, looking forward to trying to get that in the quad box for the afternoon window. <laughs> Grief. Duke's on the road. They're a three-and-a-half-point road favorite in Charlottesville, taking on the Virginia Cavaliers. The total is 47-and-a-half. Um, Mike, how are you feeling about your favorite South Korean baseball team? Oh, you talking the CW underdogs? The CW underdogs, of course. Listen, like I've Better always said. Better or worse said, than the NC Dinos or uh, like SK I've said, Wyverns? Or... <laughs> like I've said. Favorites go don't go onto CW underdog home turf known as Scott Stadium in Charlottesville and come away unscathed. <laughs> or or do they? I don't is know. the uh, is the Virginia Virginia Tech game is that in Charlottesville or Blacksburg? It is. Year? It's in Charlottesville. Okay, so this isn't Senior Day then. All right, so there's that. It's not. It's not Senior Day. Uh, well, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, are they letting seniors in for free? I'm talking like. 65 and older like they land them in the stadium for free it could be senior day in that in that with sense purchase of zima with yeah with purchase of zima and i can see it two really good academic schools i could get the old people Boo. riled up i could get them all riled up mm-hmm. these are terrible jokes i <laughs> i like I'm leaning duke over here. here by the way i i'm leaning over i like duke i like hmm. duke uh, I liked what I saw of Grayson Loftus last week. We're going to get the Anthony Calandria experience, I think, here. Uh, sounds like there's an outside chance we get uh, a musket game for the finale 
for some reason. But yeah, it sounds like a Calandria game. Not? This is a Calandria game. Virginia's offense is more explosive with Calandria in the lineup, but there's also more variability. I think both of those reasons actually uh, lend credence to taking the over uh, 47 and a half. For reasons you just said with the last game we just previewed with Louisville and Miami, if you get Calandria, like the turnover prone version, you can get some short fields. If you get the high variance going the other way with Calandria throwing a bunch of long touchdown passes, which we've seen at times this year, you know, we could chase some points as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like the over. And to be honest with you, I really like how Duke moved the ball last week with Loftus at quarterback. Like Duke was right there, right? And I, I yeah. thought the offense with him stepping into the lineup didn't look as discombobulated as I expected. So I, I think Duke's just a better team. I think they're better coached. Mm-hmm. I think Loftus provides him enough uh, on the ground and through the air. I think he is an adequate backup quarterback to Riley Leonard versus whatever they were trotting out there in Henry Boleyn. I think this this is a better option. <laughs> this is You're getting more out of your offense with Loftus. And I just think Duke is a better team. I think they're better coached. Uh, give me Duke. We'll lay him on the road uh, with a little bit of confidence here. I think Duke wins this game by a touchdown. Would you believe me? If I told you that SP plus favors Virginia Duke. Oh, by two touchdowns. Oh, (laughs) by a lot. So I, so what you're saying is that I am not favoring Duke by enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you saying they win by a touchdown would be disappointing by SP plus standards. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Man. I'm torn on what to do here. Just lean into Honestly, I mean, listen to what Chris Grondon's saying. UVA is a home dog, but Tony Elliott's like two and nine at home. I was gonna say so I, I was gonna I was man, I, I can't I can't do it looking at that SP plus line. I'm like, I was gonna take Virginia in the points and basically just preface it with I, I think every one of my picks this week is gonna be wrong, but I, <laughs> I see the SP plus number. I can't ignore that. And I realize that Riley Leonard is is cooked into that number a decent amount and he won't be playing in this game, so there's that. But quarterbacks um, are never worth more than like three or four points in college football, right? You always oh, remind that, me of that. Even that's probably too much. Um, yeah. That's you know probably less than that. So um, I, I do think the, the one thing I will say that I worry about with Duke is the letdown effect of coming off a massive rivalry game, goes into double overtime, might feel like you were screwed. You're kind of reliving that game for an extra day or two. Like, do you come in here a little bit flat, a little bit unprepared relative to what you've been doing? And does something kind of start to go sideways on you? I don't know. If they come if they come into the game flat against a team like UVA, does UVA even know that they came in flat? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. Hard to say. Yeah, I got to get some shade in there at UVA. Yeah, that's just, just to remind them. There's that. Back along. Just got to slide that. that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Virginia's awesome. Virginia. Oh, right. Oh, no, God, that's... on the loop. Good. I was going to say, that's oh, nice. we cut that off just in time. Just in time. Yeah, give me Duke. Okay. Give me Duke. I can't. I can't do it. Um, once, I, But I will say this. I might be wrong on every one of my picks this week. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I like any of my picks, honestly. So, uh, lay him with Duke. Three and a half, not a big number. I think that I will say that if, if anybody can contain Malik Washington and some of what Virginia has done in the passing game, it's probably this Duke secondary, which has been very good this year. 
Um, and then do I think Duke can run the ball? Do I think Grayson Loftus can avoid making the mistake that cost the game uh, for Duke? Yeah, I think so. So we'll see what happens. Uh, once again, picking against CW underdogs has been a very, very unprofitable uh, maneuver this year so far. So we will uh, we'll see how profitable or unprofitable it is this week. Fair enough. And over 47 and a half for me again. Uh, because yeah, I'm, I'm over there. I'm on the over there, too. Just yep. feels like these teams are going to gonna get a couple points on the board. So we'll say that. Yep. All right. Duke in the over for the both of us there at 3 o'clock, Mike. And the early window and the Thursday night games brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, things with the official tech gold, all the official word marks, something for the whole family, men, women, and children. They've got jerseys for uh, Haynes King, Zach Pyron, Dante Smith, even Miles Kelly on the basketball team. They, they even had the uh, the Joe Hamilton shirt that was available. Uh, the the coach hoodie, by the way, the gray coach hoodie, unbelievably soft and comfortable, perfect for this time of year if you're looking for something to wear to the game Saturday night, by the way, which will be at Bobby Dodd Stadium. We'll be uh, uh, previewing that here shortly, but that's going to be a night game. It's going to be a little bit chilly there in Atlanta. If you need some something long-sleeved, get that coach hoodie. Uh, once again, use promo code excuse me use promo code go acc for 10 percent off your first order at section 103.com um just so much high quality uh really comfortable great looking apparel there uh steven and the gang they do a great job and we really appreciate their support go support them go get something great that you'll you'll wear you'll look great you'll feel great wearing it you will be uh, advertising your favorite team as best as you possibly can once again Go ACC at section103.com for 10% off your first order. Thank you to Steven and the gang there. Let's do the other ones. We're also Let's sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Use promo code GOACC at checkout. 15% off your first order from Homefield. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bomber Jackets. I'm going to continue to reiterate this. They are very, very nice. They're also going quickly. They are very popular. ACC mm -hmm. schools have a bunch of them on home field. I keep getting the emails from Whitney. She says to push these. We're pushing them. Mm -hmm. uh, go get yourself a bomber jacket from section103.com. If there's home an field apparel school, com. I'm sorry. Homefieldapparel.com. We already did the section 103 read. Homefieldapparel.com. Promo code. Go ACC at checkout. 15% off your first order. Get a bomber jacket. Get a t-shirt. Mini collections. They got everything you could possibly need. Vintage designs, very comfortable clothing, shirts, sweatshirts, the bomber jackets. Couple of hats. Hats, you name it, they got it. Black Friday coming up. Mm -hmm. Christmas season. Say, Anything you, need, you could possibly need. You need Christmas gifts. You need Hanukkah gifts. You need Festivus gifts. Whatever whatever your winter season holiday that involves Kwanzaa. gifts. Kwanzaa gifts. Do they do, do they do gifts for Kwanzaa? Sure. I guess. I don't know. Chris Mahana Kwanzaa is what I used to call it. Chris oh. Mahana Kwanzaa. There you go. <laughs> We're going to leave that one right there. <laughs> go ACC at checkout. 15% off your first order from Homefield. We're also sponsored by Vivid Seats. Use the promo code BCPOD20. $20 off first order, $200 or more. They're a third party ticket reseller. Pretty simple. Use the link in the description to this video. Use the link uh, if you're listening on your podcast app. Uh, that's in the episode description. Click on it. Then buy your tickets to whatever you're going to. Sports, concerts, you name it. They got tickets to it. Use that promo code, BCPOD20, $20 off 
your first order of $200 or more from Vivid Seats. Do it. Do it. Mike, we going to move on to 3.30? Yeah, before I butcher the ad read again. <laughs> Let's move on. Shout out Homefield. Shout out Section 103.2. Yeah, shout, shout out Section 103.2, of course. But Go to all of them. All of them got please. I, yeah, please just go to all of them. It helps us. 3.30 on NBC. The Wake Forest Steam and Deeks on the road in South Bend taking on the number 19 Notre Dame fighting Irish. The Irish, a 24.5-point home favorite. Total is 46 and a half. Mike, why they, should I not be taking Notre Dame here? They, I was going to say, uh, I have one thing to say about Wake Forest. Scott, you got good sound for me? Something you played earlier. Bang, 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 you're dead. They going to die, buddy. Mm-hmm. They going to die. Notre Dame's coming off a bye week. They're rested up. Notre Dame would still like to go to a decently big bowl game that you can go to if you're 9-3 and three and kick the piss out of teams like Wake Forest and Stanford. Because they're playing Stanford on the Pac-12 network in the final regular season week of the season, which is just phenomenal. Like, what a way to what a way to send the Pac-12 network off into the abyss. Mm-hmm. ACC school Stanford. That's right. That's right. Why is Go this game OT. on ACC? Why is this game on ACC network? I have questions. <laughs> or the CW even. I'm like, yeah, Stanford would be one hell of a CW underdog to pick. But back to this game. Uh, <laughs> give me the Irish. Wake Forest. Sam, Sam Hartman revenge game. Sam Hartman revenge game. This is going to be one of Sam Hartman's better games this year. Famous last words. This is going to be one of Sam Hartman's better games this year. Wake Forest defense, not fantastic. The offense is worse. There is no there is no path for Wake Forest here. Notre Dame can come out, not even play particularly well offensively. Save my Sam Hartman prediction that I just mentioned doesn't even happen. Notre Dame can come out here and run like the offense they ran against Navy. And this could be like 35 to 6 or something. I mean, yeah. this is uh, give me the Irish and the cover. And I actually, to be honest with you, I wouldn't even touch the total. I don't know how much yeah. Wake's going to score, man. And if Notre Dame gets scoring, like they get moving on offense, maybe they get there by themselves, sort of thing. I, I have no interest in the total this week, but I do like Notre Dame to win and cover here. Mike, you know that feeling like when you're you're walking through a casino and you walk up to a roulette, roulette table and you're, you're going to try to put your chips either on red or on black or on like the first third, second, third, you know, last third, basically. And you're just you're going to put your money there. But like you just you don't know. You're just you're just guessing. You're just gambling. You know, you're trying to get a payout. You'll see what happens. Would this be the opposite of that? No, 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 no. Oh, what I'm okay. saying is, do you get the same feeling if I ask you who's going to be Wake Forest quarterback in this game? Oh, okay, okay. I didn't it kind of feels that. like a roulette table of like, I don't know. I didn't realize that was what you were teeing up. Uh, <laughs> for what it's worth, Michael Kern was atop the depth chart that was released to the media earlier this week, for what it's worth. Yeah, he was a starter this past weekend, and uh, it was... Mitch Griffiths the weekend before, and I think it was, I don't know, the other guy, the Italian name, the week before that. (laughs) Santino Marucci? Santino Marella. Yeah, the old WWE wrestler, I think, was their quarterback two weeks ago. Um, Steve Mariucci? (laughs) Steve Mariucci. No, no, no. Was it like Santucci? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know what his name was. I don't think he's the one playing quarterback, though, so I don't think we got to worry about it. (laughs) This is my point. I don't know. I don't know. 
Name that um, Italian. Which to that point, uh, yeah, give me Notre Dame. I will lay the points. I I'd lay anything almost less than thirty. I think this is this feels like a little bit of a name your score game for Notre Dame. And uh, to that point, by the way, producer Scott, uh, not only do I want Notre Dame laying oh. the points, uh, I, I think I'm I'm locking up the Irish here. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. I think Spicy. Wake Forest is cooked, cooked, done. Like they're out. So. I would be surprised if they were putting up a fight in the second half of this game. I think Notre Dame can run away with this easily. I agree with your take on the total of 46 and a half is that just leave it alone because you're basically banking on some amount of scoring from wake. And I don't, I don't know that I would be willing to bank on that. Um, If anything, I might try to go find a team total from Notre Dame. And if it's like 31 or something, try to maybe take the over on that. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, to correct the record, it, it is Santino Marucci. I was right the first time. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm pretty sure Tyler Santucci was somebody else, like in ACC, semi-recently. Well, as I noted, Santino Marella was a WWE wrestler like eight years ago. So good. Um, I don't expect up. it'll be him. We're all we're all caught up there. Then that's what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair. Notre Dame minus the twenty-four and a half for the both of us and i got it locked up let's oh, keep moving i i yep. need to i need to talk about this too i said tyler santucci and i was having trouble placing who he is uh that's duke's defensive coordinator so oh. it's really important that i <laughs> that i correct that he is important duke's, duke's defensive coordinator under mike elko duly so, noted knew that name rang a bell that's really important that i mentioned that since he's a relevant coach in the acc <laughs> let's now now let's officially move on Noted. All right. Also at 3.30 on ESPN, the number 20 North Carolina Tar Heels on the road in Death Valley taking on the Clemson Tigers. Clemson a six and a half point home favorite over the ranked Tar Heels. Um, Mike, do you know what to do here? Because I really don't feel like I do. Clemson minus six and a half. We're locking it up. Oh, you better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I am not particularly confident that North Carolina is going to be able to stop the Clemson rushing attack that has been running the ball really well over the last couple of weeks. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about Carolina's ability uh, to block for Drake May here um, with the way Clemson's front seven's been playing. I think Carolina, yeah, Drake May has uh, not exactly been careful with the football in some of these bigger spots against better defenses. I think he could turn the ball over a couple times, give Clemson a short field. I like the way the Clemson running game is trending. I'm not sure Carolina is going to have all the answers there. And I do think they're going to have trouble protecting May a little bit. The, the big question here is whether or not Carolina can get anything out of their running game. Because I do think if Amari and Hampton has a nice game, I do think that is obviously a path for Carolina to not only cover, but to win the game outright. Um, that really changes everything because I think that opens things up a bit more for Drake May in the passing game. And Hampton's been so good and so hard to contain all year, right? So I, I think that is the one question I have. But with the way Clemson's been playing complimentary football the last couple of weeks, um, Klubnik hasn't been awful, uh, played pretty well against Georgia Tech last week. Georgia Tech's defense, I'm not sure it's too much worse than what Carolina's been trotting out the second half of the season. To be honest with you, that Carolina defense has regressed a ton from what we saw out of it in September. 
I just don't have a ton of confidence that Carolina is going to get enough stops here, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a wild thing to say with mm-hmm. Clemson's offense. But it's a sentence that came out of came out of my mouth. I do think Clemson's defense will be game here. So give me Clemson to win this game by like seven to ten points. I like the I like the Tigers here at home. I think you're right. Honestly, like if there's a defense out there that's going to be able to consistently slow down North Carolina's offense, this is probably one of them, right? And I don't like a number as big as six and a half. Like I'd feel better if it were three and a half or something like that. But so that's where I'm wary is like, does Clemson win this game? You know, I don't know, 31, 27 or something like that to where it's, it's a little bit closer than, than the number, but it's, uh, it's still a win for Clemson. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll lay him with Clemson. I don't feel great about it. I don't, I, I, this, Feels like a pretty good number, and I, I do think that Clemson can slow down this North Carolina offense pretty well. Um, I don't think that North Carolina's defense is going to do an, even a decent job of containing what Clemson's been doing in the run game. Gave up 41 to a backup quarterback at home last week. I mean, Georgia Tech ran for 300 yards on North Carolina like three weeks ago, so mm-hmm. like anything is possible. So with the way <laughs> with the way that. And and that's the Georgia Tech rushing attack has been kind of up and down all year outside of Haynes mm-hmm. King. I mean, yeah. this Clemson rushing attack with Maffa. I mean, Maffa was really good last week. I know Will Shipley came back, had that touchdown run, like looked good. Everybody was talking about that. Maffa was really good for a second week in a row. Mm-hmm. Like they really so he had a really big there. week two weeks ago mm-hmm. against Notre Dame. They got something cooking here in the running game. I think over the last couple of weeks, I do think mm-hmm. that it has a, a very high chance of continuing against this Carolina rushing defense. I'll say this too, and and I made the comment on the recap after Georgia Tech beat North Carolina, but it was something that I feel like I saw a little bit of last weekend as well against Duke is like North Carolina's defense doesn't have to spend that much time on the field before they they do kind of look a little bit gassed. Mm-hmm. Um, like if, if they spend like 23 to 25 minutes on the field during a game, which is, by the way, less than half the game, they start looking a little bit slower. They, you know, they're taking poorer angles. Like there's something weird going on there with North Carolina's defense that they, they don't look like they're prepared to compete for a full 60 minutes in a lot of cases. And yeah, in a game like this, I I wonder if Clemson gets like a late touchdown or something to pull away that, that gives them the margin here. That's a, that's a really good point because I, I mean, I was watching Carolina in the second half last week, uh, specifically like late third, early fourth quarter. And I'm seeing the way Duke's moving the ball. And I'm like, Carolina's looking tired. They got like an entire quarter left to play here. What's going on? Right. Yeah. Uh, which to that end, Garrett Riley, I don't think Garrett Riley's an idiot. I know the offense has been up mm-hmm. and down this year. I don't think he's an idiot. I would just run Maffa and Shipley at the Carolina defense, like 40 times. Just give them like, yeah. 18 to 20 carries each have Klubnik throw the ball like 12 to 15 times. If they're carving the Carolina defense up in the running game and they all of a sudden start to stack the box, Klubnik could complete like 12 passes for 200 yards if he wants to here. Yeah, it's it's that kind of game if they want it to be. So that, that's kind of where I think Clemson gets the separation, right? Yeah. Keep running the, the ball in the clock. The other thing along the lines of that conditioning that I would keep an eye out for that, that Georgia Tech did to good effect against North Carolina was going very side to side against them. And, and I thought, you know, 
Georgia Tech going side to side against Clemson did not work at all because Clemson's defense is very fast, very athletic. Like that was something that was, it was kind of a miscalculation. I think trying to do that. Can you do it against North Carolina's defense? Yeah, I do. And, and Georgia Tech did it. It worked very well. Wouldn't be surprised to see Clemson do it here as well. Cause you're, you're a running the ball right at them and B making easy throws for Klubnik side to side that you're not making him do anything too difficult down the field. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you can really kind of wear on that defense and, and move the ball effectively. So, yeah. I don't know, something to keep an eye on. I, I think it sets up well for Clemson. It, it sh- anytime they run up against a, a decent defense, it's been a problem. But this is not not what I would call a decent defense. So, no, no I, I would agree. So, would all agree. right, Clemson minus the six and a half for the both of us. Mike's got it locked up. Uh, totals fifty eight and a half. Pass, pass. I, I could pass. Yeah. Pass. see it going 14 points on either side of that number and just yep. no thanks all right uh last one at 3 30 on the acc network the nc state Wolfpack on the road in blacksburg taking on your virginia tech Hokies, mike uh Hokies a three-point home favorite totals 43 and a half uh that's a low number i think give me the under first of all because this feels like this has high potential to be an absolute rock fight of a game yeah, uh, under 43 and a half. We're going to go ahead and lock that up, too. Ooh. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Yeah, it took me a while before I started making some picks tonight, but now we're firing from the hip, baby. Uh, I, I like these two picks a lot, right? I like that Clemson number, and I do like uh, the total here uh, going under. Look, this is real easy for me. This comes down to whether or not Virginia Tech can score 17 points. That 17 to 20 point range is a sweet spot. Look at the games that, that NC State has lost this year, right? Like NC State, when they've had trouble eclipsing that 17 point mark on offense, they've lost, right? Mm-hmm. This is an offense that really, really struggles. They're really, really bad, guys. Like, in my opinion, Virginia Tech, looking at what they were able to do against Boston College's offense last week, I think this NC State offense is very similar, except they have a worse offensive line than Boston College does. Boston College actually protect. We talked about this earlier, but they actually protect Castellanos decently well. NC State doesn't really protect the quarterback. They got Brandon Armstrong killed early in the year. They got MJ uh, MJ Walker MJ Walker. Uh, they got. Uh, did I get his name right? Cut MJ this. Morris. MJ Morris, thank you. M- MJ Walker plays basketball for Florida State. I always do this. I was going to say, yeah, MJ- I was like, basketball player. I think right. so. Yeah, M- yeah. MJ Morris. Uh, they-, they had MJ Morris running for his life to the point where he like red shirts, and he's probably going to leave the program. This is an opportunity, I think, for Virginia Tech's defense to really, really put the pressure on NC State. And try to force a turnover to like they did last week to set up a short field against Boston College. The the story here is going to be whether or not Virginia Tech's offense can score touchdowns in the red zone. I think if they score touchdowns in the red zone, I think they're going to win this game by like seven to ten. If they don't and it's kicking a lot of field goals, then I think you're getting to a game where, okay turnover here turnover there forced by nc state's defense against kyron drones who he's still a first year starter right he he's Mm -hmm. been very very good at home you look at his home versus road splits he has been excellent at lane stadium taking care of the football has yet to throw an interception at lane stadium he's been really really good at home this year 
if you force a turnover or two out of Virginia Tech's offense to set up short fields for NC State, then we're kind of talking about things the other way, right? Where can Virginia Tech get enough going against a very good NC State defense? NC State's defense is probably the best unit on the field in this game. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, completely. And and I think that's the story is whether or not Virginia Tech can score enough. If Tech has trouble putting the ball in the end zone, can Virginia Tech's defense hold up against sixty in 60 minutes, even against an offense that I don't think is particularly good? That's a question that Virginia Tech hasn't answered yet this year. Mm-hmm. Like the Hokies' wins have been big. Their losses, really, since entering conference play, have been to Florida State and Louisville, two superior teams. So Virginia Tech hasn't answered the question that whether or not they can win a tight game against a really, you know, facing a really good defense. They haven't answered that question yet this year. Mm-hmm. So this might be the at game where they positively. have to, at least not positively. And this is the game where they're going to have to do. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Purdue. This is the game where they're going to have to answer that question with the biggest stakes on the line, with a bowl game on the line. You got to go and answer that question on senior day at home. I like the Hokies close. I think Virginia Tech wins. I love the under. Mm-hmm. This this feels to me, Joey, like a three-point game in either direction. I'm thinking like 17-14, 20-17, to 21-17. Those all go under the total. Mm-hmm. Um any variation of that goes under. I think the Hokies went close. I think they they get to bowl eligibility this week. I like the way Virginia Tech's offense has been playing. Can they do it against a defense of NC State's caliber while also holding down NC State's pretty bad offense on the other side? I think they can do it at home. If it was yep. this was in Raleigh, maybe I'm not feeling as good about it. But Hokies close. Love the under. Yeah. I first of all, I want to point out we we talk about the big theme here of this weekend being spooky lines and, and weird lines. Part of what you're seeing here, by the way, is almost every one of these games we've talked about so far, other than the Notre Dame game and I guess to some degree the Clemson game, it's a bunch of games with spreads of like four points or less. Like there are a bunch of fair fights that are very interesting to watch and see, you know, who's able to come on top because I I don't. I, I cannot promise you it's going to be one team or the other. Um, and and that's really where my head's at with this game is this feels like a game that a defensive or special team score or a major play on one of those is going to set somebody up with a short field, but that's going to like decide the game. Um, either a pick six, a scoop six, a punt return down to the five, you know, something like that, that basically sets a team up with an easy score. I think that has every bit of potential to decide a game like this. Um, and I agree. I mean, the, the thing that you point out is that NC state's defense is the best unit in this game. And honestly, I don't think it's close. If you look at the SP SP plus ratings for each of the four primary units here, NC state's offense, Virginia tech's offense, both kind of in the seventies nationally, Virginia tech's defense, like in the forties, NC state's defense is 16th nationally. They are really good. And it's, it's clear that they are the best thing in this game. I feel like this is where you Virginia Tech pays a price a little bit with a freshman quarterback behind center is not only NC State's defense is good. Part of the reason they're so good is that they have some some seniors. They've got some old guys on that defense. I I just have a feeling that Peyton Wilson is going to come up 
with an interception or a forced fumble or something in this game that, you know, just, it's just a thing that a guy who has played 65 college games so far or whatever it's been, like he's going to come up with something here uh, against Virginia Tech's offense. Give me NC state to win this game on the field. Um, I, I agree. Close game. I, I think again, three to four point margin is completely reasonable. We producer Scott and I were also talking about this a little bit before we went, we went live. There's a part of me that feels like we're a little bit due for like Brandon Armstrong to have a decidedly good game. <clears throat> Hasn't had one yet. And yeah. that's been weird. And could it happen on Saturday? I think it could run out of chances. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. You've got like two more chances, maybe three, yeah. I guess with the bowl game, but yeah. Um, if it's going to happen at NC state, it's, it's got to happen soon. So I, yeah, give me NC state to win the game on the field. I think, I think their defense comes up with a big play at some point and, and wins it. But again, I think it's close. I think it's low scoring. I completely agree with the under. I'm not ballsy enough yet to lock it up, but that is, that is on the card for, uh, here in the next 15 minutes or so. We'll see. Do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. NC State outright for me. You got Hokies minus three, I guess. Three. I, yeah, three. I guess I'll take them to cover. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, both of us have the under. You have the under locked up. Mike, uh, night slate. We will go to the second half of the doubleheader on the CW. How are we feeling about the CW underdogs here in this spot, Joey? That's a real uh, question. Not good. Not good. Uh, North don't, Alabama. You don't feel good about North Alabama's chances? I'm pretty sure they lost to like Central Connecticut or Central Arkansas. They lost to a directional state school last week that is not in the FBS. What would they be, like a four-point underdog against Boston College? or uh, Never mind. Sorry. Easy. Easy. <laughs> easy. Dear God, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have been I have been running roughshod. Well, you have been too, I guess, on the Boston College fan base the last couple of weeks. That that was uh, that that's <laughs> like when you hold for. up that's like when you hold up the, that sign at game day. Like we had ex- our expectations for you for you were low, but holy shit, this is when you hold the sign up. <laughs> North Alabama is three and seven this year uh, in, in the FCS. All FCS games, yeah, they haven't they haven't played an FBS game yet. Uh, they have wins over Chattanooga, Tennessee Tech, and Utah Tech. Um, yeah, they've barely played. They've played a couple of teams that are ranked in the FCS. Um, How much okay, are they look, getting paid? The answer's not enough. I say, I don't know, one point five, you think, or uh, something like that. Florida State, there is no excuse. If uh, if this goes sideways, at, this should not be a game at halftime. Like, get this done. The whole point here, by the way, I should probably mention this is where Florida State is uh, participating in the uh, long honored southeastern tradition of SoCon Saturday. Oh, got a rivalry game coming up next week, so uh, play a cupcake game the week before. Yes, uh, I see. Josh George is doing that with Tennessee. You know. Josh, Josh defense in the comments. It's going to be plenty of quote Tate time. Yeah, I agree. Just don't say that five times fast. Might come out of something a little bit different. Yeah. Tate Rotomaker should have uh, a lot of reps. In this game. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Knowles. Uh, yep. Nothing. Nothing else on that. Yep. Scott don't said that game. Scott said North Alabama is getting paid 400 K to play this game. That's that's not enough. 
Wow, is that it? That's not enough. It's not enough. Not enough. All right. Last game of the day, Mike. I'm taking Eight- Florida State, by the way. Just yeah, sure. We don't yeah. For for, <laughs> for anyone you know new here, we don't really do spreads on uh FBS FCS games. So, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'll be bold and take take the Knolls to beat oh. North Alabama. Okay, good. Yeah, there we go. What by the way, we got another mascot here. What what did we uh what did we do here? Hang on. The Lions. The Lions. They the are Lions decidedly go. Decidedly not the best Lions in all of football in the United States. Um, there's at least one team named the Lions that I can think of that's a lot better right now than North I, Alabama is. I would. That's something I would. I would agree with. Speaking of Texas A&M coaching candidates, anyways, uh, eight Relax, o'clock on the chill. ACC. <laughs> chill out with the Dan Campbell talk. Eight o'clock on the ACC network. The Syracuse Orange are on the road in Atlanta, taking on my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Jackets a six and a half point favorite. Total is 53 and a half. Mike, this is the bowl eligible. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, both teams coming in with five wins. Um, if, if Georgia Tech is going to get bowl eligible, got to have this one because <laughs> I'd know. say. You're yeah. probably not upsetting the uh, playoff apple cart next week, I would assume. <laughs> that would be fun, but I would, would venture to guess that that I would venture to. Yeah, Joey might be too drunk to <laughs> talk on this podcast if <laughs> Georgia Tech beat Georgia. I'd be having a conversation by myself and with, uh, I want to say the corpse of Scott. That would be unfair. Because uh, we're coming up, but we're coming off a holiday weekend, so Scott and I will be pretty heavily whoa. intoxicated. Whoa. So, of course, <laughs> whoa, relax. Whoa. So, uh, if yeah, Georgia Tech be... beats Georgia, and I am on the Saturday Night Live recap. It will be like a like lights are on, but nobody's home situation, like for sure. Yeah. Anyway, Georgia Tech better beat Syracuse this week if they want to go to a bowl game. Syracuse has two more chances to also get their sixth win, by the way. It's this week against Georgia Tech, and I believe next week against Wake Forest. Uh, Sounds right. Sure. Correct. 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 That's correct. Okay. I mean, wow. They could win one or both of those. Or neither. I mean, they could also lose both. That would be very funny. I like Georgia Tech here, by the way. I like the Jackets at home covering the six and a half. They've been the more consistent team. Uh, Syracuse's Garrett Schrader is just simply not healthy. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what Dino Baber says. When Dan Filari, a quarterback turned tight end, turned back quarterback, has to come in and he throws three balls and Garrett Schrader runs the ball like 30 times, he's not healthy. Okay. Uh, Georgia Tech's defense has not been very good this year, I think would be fair. But I think they are competent enough to stop a one-dimensional offense. Garrett Schrader really needs to be healthy here, I think. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. Uh, 
And I do think Georgia Tech's offense scores against Syracuse's defense. Is this senior day for Georgia Tech? It is not. It's not. Oh, good. So you get to lose by 40 at home next week. Excellent. In front of all your friends and family. That's good. That's that's very nice. What a Thanksgiving treat. You get a nice plaque and like some flowers beforehand, too. So there's that. Oh, good. Well, very good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that true? Hang on. You smell those before the smelling salts. That is correct. <laughs> that is that is correct. That is correct. If you're listening on audio and you don't know what I'm laughing about right now, our buddy Caleb Fields basically correcting us saying that's ACC co-running back of the week, Dan Valari. And that's not a joke. He was actually named <laughs> ACC co-running back of the week. When is the last time <laughs> a quarterback turned tight end, turned quarterback again, was named the co-running back of the week? <laughs> Yeah, the ACC. That's outstanding. That's some conference USA ass <laughs> stuff. If I've ever heard of it. What was that Frank Gore Jr. at Southern Miss winning quarterback of the week in the conference? Like uh, we we we're gonna have to open up a dialogue here shortly, real briefly <laughs> on Bowling Green and what happened last night. Good lord. Uh, I like the Jackets, Joey. I think they get it done. I don't trust Syracuse without a healthy Garrett Trader. That's the crux of it. And I think the Jackets get it done at home. I would not be surprised to see Syracuse cover here, even, you know, without the quarterback being what it is. Um, you know, can Syracuse's defense stop Georgia Tech's rushing attack with Haynes King, kind of the head of that snake? Uh, that That's the question. Georgia Tech's offense, when it's been at its best, Haynes King has been really involved in the running game. Uh, I expect that to continue. Can Syracuse get enough stops and make it interesting? Sure. Um, so I'll take Syracuse, I guess, plus the six and a half. But I like Georgia Tech out right here. I think they kind of keep him at arm's reach. And maybe we have a little bit of a backdoor cover situation. But I do like the Jackets to make a bowl game. Mike, you know how I told you that uh, every one of my picks might be wrong this week? Including this one? Would that be including this one? It would be including this one. Okay. Um, do you know the last time that these two teams played? No. It was 2020. Okay. It was in the Carrier Dome. It was an empty Carrier Dome. Mm -hmm. Do you know Syracuse's final record that year? It wasn't good. It was not good. They were 1-10. in That was their only win. Do you want to know what the one was, Mike? It was their only win. It's all coming back to me now, baby. Jeff Collins' band of merry men goes up into the Carrier Dome and lays a big fat egg. It is the holiday loses. season. And it, yeah, is the only team that Syracuse beat that year. Now, am I sitting here trying to tell you that I think that there is some sort of voodoo when Georgia Tech plays Syracuse? I am not. That, that I don't think that there's any, this is not a consistent matchup. Like, you know, I think Tech has otherwise beaten Syracuse almost every time they've played since they've been in the ACC. Like, it's fine. What I am trying to tell you, Mike, is that I don't trust Georgia Tech as far as I can throw them, and I cannot trust. I cannot throw them very far. Mm-hmm. Um, should they win this game? Yes. Should they get to bowl eligibility? Yes. Am I taking Georgia Tech minus six and a half? Absolutely you are not. not. You are and not. <laughs> am I taking Georgia Tech to win this game? Absolutely not. No. Okay. Give me Syracuse <laughs> on the field on Saturday. Okay. Call it an emotional hedge, but honestly, it is it is literally just that. Not not football reasons. It is literally, I don't trust this team at all. And there has you been are ridiculous. Fit, there has been very little that they have done this year 
to make me trust them in any given spot to do what they're supposed to do. They don't do anything like they're supposed to do. They they beat teams they shouldn't. They lose to teams they shouldn't. They shouldn't lose to this team. They're going to lose to them. I'm just telling you that right now. And and honestly, if we get on here Saturday night and they have won the game and Georgia Tech is bowl eligible, I will be as happy as a clam. I am not You're- rooting for this. I'm just telling you this is probably what's going to happen. This is not the first time. It certainly won't be the last time that I call you my good friend a dummy. You are such a dummy. What what is there? We'll what see is who's there? A dummy. We'll see. What is there to what is there to believe in with Syracuse? You give all those reasons about not being able to trust Georgia Tech. Why exactly are we trusting Syracuse, especially with Dan Valari maybe potentially playing quarterback here? What are we doing? How dead in the water did they look two weeks ago, bro? They had to what run they do the last option. Week? They had to run the option last week. And how'd that go? Does Georgia Tech know how to defend the option? They better. No. Are you kidding me? Why not? They lost to the Citadel three games after buddy. the option offense was out the buddy. door. Buddy. They don't know buddy. how to defend the option. Buddy. The Citadel. Okay. Point well taken on the Citadel. <laughs> Point well taken. That actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, that kills my entire <laughs> argument. That, that kills my entire <laughs> argument. Fair enough. Let's, let's pick Syracuse. What the hell? I. I'm just saying. Now that that is the one thing that I think is a a questionable. <laughs> yeah, there is a questionable aspect of this. Is what Syracuse did last week is they ran kind of a different offense than you have seen them run most of this year, most of the Dino tenure. Does putting it on film a week earlier? give Georgia Tech the ability to prepare for it a little bit better than they would if it was just sort of broken out in the middle of the first quarter randomly and uh, all of a sudden you're you're scrambling on your heels. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. What Mike. you're all you're saying is that if Syracuse wins this game and you're referencing, you know, the Syracuse victory last week in Yankee Stadium, all you're trying to tell me is this won't be the last time that Syracuse plays in Yankee Stadium this year. <laughs> That's all you're saying here. Get them to the pinstripe bowl. Get them to the pinstripe bowl. That's right. Let's let's play a really bad Big Ten team. Shout out Northwestern. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Georgia Tech covers. I hope they win this game by 30. Um, that would make me really, really happy. Amazing. I don't trust them to do it. Amazing. Don't trust them. Um, totals 53 and a half. I think Pass. leave it alone. Pass. Yeah. A lot of variance. So we'll see. Hope I'm wrong. Mike, that's all I've got on previews for this week. That was a disgusting end. Uh, <laughs> Bowling Green blew a blew a three touchdown lead at halftime Shut last up. night to Mac <laughs> to the now Mac West winner Toledo Rockets, and in true Bowling Green fashion, with a minute forty three to play, they give up a fifty four yard touchdown pass. <laughs> where the running back runs out to the flat and Daquan Finn, Toledo's quarterback, hits the running back in the flat. God bless him. Don't remember his name. And he takes it up the sideline, untouched, 54 yards for the decisive touchdown. Bowling Green's offense, which looked like a wagon in the first half, then proceeds to give up a sack and have t- two straight incomplete passes and then throw up a prayer on like fourth and 14 that fell incomplete. And that's how Bowling Green lost last night as a 10 and a half point underdog. Bowling Green had five drives in the first half, scored four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They had 28 points in the first half. In the second half, 
They had three. Josh. By the way, that offense got the ball with just under two minutes left. Four plays, negative seven yards, turnover on downs. <laughs> yeah. And and Josh, Josh Penn's great point. The decisive play in the game was that Daquan Penn, Penn touchdown pass out into the flat. That did come on fourth down and two. That was mm-hmm. the ball game. If Bowling Green gets a stop there, they upset Toledo in a gigantic rivalry win mm-hmm. to uh, make Toledo sweat a little bit in terms of winning the the Mac West division title. So spicy what could have been Toledo's 10 and one Scott Leffler is getting a contract extension. I mean, yeah, they're, they're the bar in the Mac. So I've, I've right. followed Scott Leffler's career long enough to know uh, what happens next. This all starts out by being my fault as a Virginia Tech alum. <laughs> hey, that's one thing that you and Boston College fans have in common. Is uh, Scott Oh, Leffler. good. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot about his <laughs> stint at Boston College. Thank you. Steve Adazio's protege. Yeah. Jeff Halfley wishes he had Scott Leffler on his staff right about now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good grief. Okay. All right. Um, oh, did Miami, Ohio win? Josh said Toledo against Miami, Ohio for the MAC title. I'm assuming Miami won tonight. Hmm. Well, that's fun. I had no idea what the MAC standings were. So, sure. Miami played Buffalo tonight. Uh, yeah, I saw something that I feel like there was something screwy that happened in that game, too. I'm uh, sure. Our guy Kelly Quinlan tweeted something about that earlier. Anyways, this is not a. Uh, this is not a Mac podcast. It is a Bowling Green podcast. It could, could be, but it Green. could be. I mean, that's just to wet your palate. It could be a Mac podcast in a year or two, depending on what happens with the ACC. So. Well, yeah, anything's possible these days. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike. To recap our locks for week 12, uh, I have Notre Dame minus the 24 and a half against Wake Forest. You have Clemson minus the six and a half against North Carolina. You have under. Uh, the number, which was 43 and a half in uh, North Carolina State and Virginia Tech. And um, yeah, um, let's see. Should I go? Should I go under? Should I, should I join you on that under or should I go over uh, 47 and a half in Duke and Virginia? Uh, join me more the merrier. Yeah. All right. Under 43 and a half, NC State and Virginia Tech. I'll lock that up as well. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Yes, please. All right, Mike. I think that's all I got on week 12. Anything else? Damn good, man. That's it. Do we forget anything? Uh, Subscribe, like, rate. Trying to get to 300 before end of the year. We get to 500. We got a prize. The 500 Mm -hmm. subscriber. But you won't find that out till next season unless you convince your friends to subscribe. Like this week, basically. Um, I, I, one more thing, by the way, that I try to remember this every time and I forget it every time, basically. Um, we would, If you're still listening to this, we would love your help this weekend. So I think the plan right now is to do Saturday Night Fever, the, the live recap Saturday night, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Either way, whether we do, whether we don't, something that you can do, a listener, to help us out in a major way is to tweet at us, email us, do whatever you got to do on Saturday. As you're watching these games, if, if something ridiculous happens, that's a go ACC moment of the week candidate, something silly happens. That's a Brian Van Gorder Memorial. You tried award candidate that you see when you're watching these games. If you can find us a clip or send us a timestamp in the games, anything at all to help come up with nominees for those awards, 
super helpful for us. We would really appreciate the, the, uh, the interaction with the show. So send those over however you know to if you see something while you're watching the games on Saturday. We would really appreciate that. So, um, again, at BC Podcast ACC on Twitter, Basketball Conference Podcast at gmail.com on the emails. Know it. Thanks. Um, yeah, send those things over if you have uh, award nominees as you watch the games over the weekend. Yeah, please do that. Really helpful because we get as much as much as many eyes on these games as we can. Uh, but when we're doing an instant reaction show at midnight after I'm coming off an SI shift and Joey is. Well, parenting father, multiple children, all day. a father of two kids, multiple dogs and has obligations other than to watch like 11 hours of football on Saturdays. Uh, yeah, as many eyes on the televisions as we can, please. Thank you. Yeah, please, please. Uh, as mentioned, we're also on Twitter. I'm at FTR, FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Google, on Amazon, on any other number of audio platforms uh, that you might get your podcasts on. Go find us there for the audio versions. Uh, once again, we're on youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, hit the su- subscribe button, hit the bell icon to be notified when we're going live. Uh, as mentioned, emails can be sent to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, Mike, where else on the social medias? Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, Facebook.com slash uh, BC Podcast ACC, right? Basketball conference, but good try. Cool. It's late. I've done two podcasts tonight and I worked <laughs> a full day. I'm having, I'm just actively stroking out on this podcast tonight. So, phrasing. Um, I think that's all I got. Anything else on week 12 before we get out of here? Good. Let's, Mike let's and I leave. will be coming off a banner day of golf on Saturday where we're mm. definitely going to hit a hole-in-one, and then we'll be back. And if that actually happens, I'm hitting the lottery after. Yep. <laughs> Called it right here. Hit them straight. Uh, I'm playing next Tuesday, so maybe we'll podcast immediately after that and see how that goes. Okay. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. find out. Uh, in any case, come back, check in. Uh, Saturday night, round around midnight Eastern, maybe a few minutes after uh, for Saturday Night Fever, the live recap. Jump in the comments section. We would love to have you join us. And until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again very soon. Enjoy the games. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.